Welcome to the City Church Cardiff podcast. We're an Elim Pentecostal church in the centre of Cardiff, dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired and impacted by this message. Well, it's my privilege to bring the word of God this morning. A customs officer observed a lorry driver coming up with his lorry, and he was suspicious about this lorry, and so he decided to search the lorry, and he couldn't find anything. He searched everywhere, absolutely nothing. No contraband, nothing illegal being smuggled, so he let him go. The next week, the same lorry driver turned up, and the customs officer decided to check again. But again, just an empty lorry. And it kept on happening, but he was suspicious each time. And so he did everything. He tried x-rays and scans and full body searches, and he found nothing illegal. And it kept on happening year after year after year. And then it came the time that the customs official was retiring. And lo and behold, on this final day, the lorry driver turns up with a lorry. And he says, listen, this has been absolutely killing me. I can do you no harm, but please, I know you're a smuggler. Tell me what you've been smuggling. And the lorry driver looked at him and said, lorries. <laughs> Talk about missing the obvious. You know, when it comes to the Christian life and Christians up and down the nation, though there are some wonderful exceptions, I think it could be said that we are missing something obvious too. When you look at how few Christians share their faith or are even concerned about winning people to Christ, when we see how many Christians struggle with life controlling habits, when we see so many Christians who are lacking joy, and power, and liberty, when we see so few Christians walking in the fullness of who they are in Christ, and um, moving on to maturity in Christ, when we read about the statistics about the so-called demise of the church in nations and the continent such as ours, it indeed becomes apparent that we're missing something. Now, we're not the first to miss this crucial ingredient. In fact, even Jesus' disciples, after the crucifixion, and that was even after they had witnessed the resurrection, they were missing this too. In fact, Jesus told them to wait until they recovered this missing something or, 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 or discovered this missing something. Despite all of their training with him for those three years, he told them to wait. But of course, when they discovered it, they went on to change the world. They became a revolutionary force. And so if we individually and collectively are to go about and accomplish what God has said in our generation, then we need to discover what they discovered. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today we are introducing a new sermon series called Saturated, which is all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's based on the word for the year that Catherine and I brought on the very first Sunday of 2021, a word to guide us and galvanize us for 2021. And we want to remind you that there is an experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that God desires for you to receive and to enjoy so that you have the power that you need to carry out God's will and accomplish his purposes for your life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all of us here today just as it was for those original 120 disciples who received it on the day of Pentecost. 
And I believe that there may be Christians here or those watching who have never received this wonderful gift. And God wants to pour that freely into your life. Well, this is for you today. There also may be people watching who received the baptism of the Holy, the Holy Spirit years ago. But it's not a, a, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit and, 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 and that baptism of the Holy Spirit that you receive is not a present day experience in your day-to-day life. Well, this is a sermon for you today as well. And then there may be those who are not in relationship with Jesus. You don't know what it is to, to be in friendship with the Holy Spirit, much less experience his power. Well, this sermon is also for you today. And I want to say to all of us, there is more of God to experience. There is so much more. There's more power available and there are greater works to be done. And so we cannot be satisfied with where we are at. And so as I speak from the Word of God this morning, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit will stir up a desire within you to grab hold of all that God says is possible, to receive for the first time or to experience afresh the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, even now, why don't you just close your eyes for a moment and pray with me, Holy Spirit, come and saturate every single part of my life with your presence, and with your power. You know, when we use the word saturated, I'm conscious that in chemistry, a saturation point, and I love this, is defined as the point at which a substance can receive no more of another substance. In other words, it's this idea of overflowing. And whatever revival is, I like to think of revival as a saturation with God's presence to the point That the work of God within us and God's presence in us overflows. It spills out beyond us. In other words, we're soaked. We hit saturation point. We're filled up and we're overflowing. And our prayer this year has been for a spirit breakout. That the Holy Spirit will break out of us, spill out of us so much so that we will be able to impact whatever spheres that we are a part of, whatever environments we go into making a difference in the world around us. My message this morning is entitled, Understanding Spirit Baptism. It's a teaching message which will build a framework and a foundation for what is to come as we seek to establish a biblical Pentecostal framework for what it means to be baptized in the Spirit and then continually filled with the Spirit. Next week, we'll build on this by looking specifically at how to receive and experience the baptism and also the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then in the third week, we'll be exploring some of the amazing consequences that result from Spirit baptism. And finally, concluding with a message about how to walk in this spiritual authority that Um, that this experience and the Spirit bestows upon us. So don't miss any of these. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is more than just being born again of the Holy Spirit. It's a total infilling of the Holy Spirit. That word baptism, it's from an ancient Greek word, baptizo. And it was used in ancient times to describe something that was immersed or saturated. For example, a ship that had sunk or a cloth that was 
saturated, dipped or immersed into dye or the dipping or the immersing of a morsel of bread into a drink. And so it's really interesting that this language of baptism and specifically being baptized in the Spirit is also used in the New Testament to describe our entry into living in the fullness of the Spirit. So it carries the idea when we're talking about being baptized in the Spirit. It's as if God is saying, I want to flood, to saturate every part of your life with my presence and with my power. In water baptism, a person is fully immersed into water. And in spirit baptism, a person is fully immersed or saturated into the Spirit of God by Jesus, the baptizer. Dyed cloth takes on the color of the dye when it is baptized into that dye. So a white cloth which is saturated or immersed or baptized into a red dye becomes a red cloth. And so too, when we are baptized into the Spirit, we take on the color or character of the Holy Spirit. We produce fruits and it results in righteous living. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means being absolutely saturated with and under the control of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul, he contrasts being filled with the Spirit or filled by the Spirit with being filled with alcohol. He says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled. In actual words, the, the words are, uh, keep on being filled with the Spirit. You see, in some ways, being filled with the Spirit is similar to being filled with alcohol. When filled with Alcohol, everything in that person is affected, how they think, how they react, how they feel. Inhibitions are removed. And in the same way, being filled with the Holy Spirit affects everything in a person's life. How they think, how they react, and how they feel, and what they're like. And this is why we see in the book of Acts, when people are filled with the Spirit, it often results in astonishing boldness as inhibitions are removed. But of course, whereas alcohol is a negative thing, being filled with alcohol is a negative thing which deadens a person to the reality of life. Being filled with the Spirit is an entirely positive thing which awakens us to the reality of God. We are an Elam Pentecostal church, and the common Pentecostal understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that this is a definite experience, and it's a definite experience of the Holy Spirit which is to be sought and received subsequent to conversion. So it's not simply a logical inference as a result of being saved. It's not something unconscious that happens to us at the moment of salvation, but it's something experiential that has effects which are discernible and, and experiential and visible. So in this, we can make the following distinction. The first experience of the Christian life is salvation or conversion or regeneration, call it what you will. But this is the incoming or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to live in us. To, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. He gives us new life. He brings us into relationship with God. So this is where the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence within us. So we can talk here about being born of the Holy Spirit, as John chapter 3 puts it. We are tripartite beings. In other words, we are spirits, we are soul, and we are body. And our human spirit, which was previously dead to God, is now 
at this moment of indwelling or salvation, um, which is brought about by the Holy Spirit, our human spirit, which was previously dead to God, is now made alive to God as the Spirit indwells us. So your physical body, as it were, becomes a temple, a house, a dwelling for the Holy Spirit. And that means he's with you wherever you go. And how awesome is that? When you become a Christian, when you repent of your sins and you trust your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God's Spirit comes and to make you into a new creation and then lives on the inside of you. This is what happens at salvation. This is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You become this new creation. And that's when you get baptized in water, which, by the way, should happen as soon as possible after your conversion. As we have taught here before, you are symbolically washed clean of the sins from your old life. And you step into that new clean life with Jesus, which the Holy Spirit um, makes possible. So that's salvation. But then there's a second experience of the Christian life, which is the receiving of the Holy Spirit, primarily to be empowered for witness and mission in the world. And this second and subsequent experience is often called by Pentecostals the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it could happen oh, quite a while after salvation, or it could happen just moments after that salvation event. And in fact, the biblical norm is for it to be much closer to the salvation event. But here's the thing. Theologically, it is a subsequent and distinct event to the new birth or to salvation or to conversion. It's not a simultaneous or automatic one. When you ask Jesus Christ, and I hope that today many of us will, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, this is a movement of the Spirit both in you and upon you. Now when I say in you, here it's as if the new life from our spirits, which, which, which started there at salvation, begins to flow out into our souls, into our mind, into our will, into our emotions, into our intellect, into every part of us. And so we start to get filled up. We, it's, it's this kind of from the inside out, from so the work of God in our spirit begins to flow through, to, through our souls and, and starts to impact our personality and people start to notice the difference. And it may even spill out beyond that. And, and, and often the outlet is our mouths. And I guess that's why speaking in tongues or prophesying or, or prayer and prayer is often seen as, as one of the manifestations of, of spirit baptism or fresh uh, impetus to proclaim the gospel. So there's the work of God in you, the movement of the Spirit in you as the Holy Spirit starts to, start to fill you up. But also something that comes upon you. Here it's as if the Holy Spirit comes with a fresh anointing and you feel this empowering or this consecration. So both from the inside out and from the outside in, you're soaked, you're saturated with the presence and the power of God and others start to see and even feel the effects. What I'm talking about here. This difference between indwelling at salvation and then empowering and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What this means is that you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit indwelling you. But you can be a Christian without the Holy Spirit empowering you. You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit indwelling you, but you can live the Christian life without the empowerment 
of the Holy Spirit, where that work of God spills out into your soul and beyond you through your body and, and, the, and that anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we see one example of this with the people of Samaria in Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. Let's read. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is that baptism of the Holy Spirit that I've been talking about. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Think about this. These Samaritan Christians, they were saved. They were water baptized. You just have to read the context in Acts chapter 8 to realize that. Yet there is an experience of the Holy Spirit that they are missing, at least at the beginning of the story, because we know the end of the story. We read it. At the beginning, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on them. They had not received this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but then they are prayed for, and then they are filled. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts, 19, Acts chapter 19 is something that we're going to be spending a fair bit of time on in this series. Today we'll read from verses 1 to 7. And here Paul encounters a group of Christians who would go on to become the nucleus of a significant city church there in Ephesus. And it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, I know there's a debate here about whether these 12 people in Ephesus were Christians, at least at the start of the chapter. Suffice it to say, Paul seems to be asking people whom he at least thought were Christians, disciples, whether or not they had received the Spirit. Thereby revealing that in Paul's way of thinking, it was possible, it's a possible scenario to both be a Christian but not yet have been baptized with the Spirit. Quite likely, as we saw in Acts 8, Paul encountered Christians on his travels, some of which had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and some of which hadn't. I've certainly encountered this in my own life and ministry. Good, godly, Bible-believing Christians who love Jesus but who have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit or walking in the practical reality of that experience. And so for Paul, as he watched these disciples, he observed that there was something missing. And so look at his question in verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Again, this question shows that in Paul's view, it's possible to believe, but not yet have received this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder why Paul asked this. Maybe Paul was looking at them and saw that there was no joy in their lives. Maybe it seemed to him that they were shackled by fear. Maybe he observed some kind of drudgery in their Christian walk, that they weren't progressing to maturity in Christ, that they weren't moving forward in their journey of discipleship, that they were just stuck, that there was no power in their witness. Whatever it was, I think Paul looked to them and saw that there was something missing. And so he goes right to the heart of the problem. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit. And these Ephesian disciples, they answer that we've not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't 
ever know about the Holy Spirit as, you know, we call the, the third person of the Trinity, the advocate, the, the comforter, the helper, the one alongside us. Because if you think about it, these disciples from Ephesus, they're clearly familiar with John the Baptist. They may even be disciples of John. And John, he certainly knew and taught about the Holy Spirit. In fact, he said of Jesus, he prophesied that Jesus would be the one to baptize in the Holy Spirit. So when they're saying we've never heard of the Holy Spirit, it may well be that they're saying we didn't know that the Holy Spirit has now been given to all, that that day that John had prophesied has now come. But regardless of my theological speculation here, the point is that they hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The problem with these Ephesian disciples is that they hadn't progressed on their journey of discipleship. They had come as far as salvation or repentance and forgiveness of sins, which is great. It's a great start. But even though they demonstrated that sorrow for sin by undergoing John's baptism, they knew nothing of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul immediately addressed it by laying hands on them and praying for them to receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So, what's the lesson for us today? It means that there may well be people here or watching who believe in Jesus and love Jesus. And you started that relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. You have the indwelling Spirit, but you are not living in the fullness of the Spirit. And here's why I want to suggest to you that's a problem. You see, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a great thing. Primarily, that's about you and your relationship with God. And that's where it starts. But you see, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that's about the Holy Spirit using you to start to impact others when it comes to your purpose and the thing that God has called you to do on this earth. And no Holy Spirit, no power. Living the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is like owning a car but not having possession of the keys. And Paul could see that these Ephesian disciples are missing out on God's best. And so that's why he addresses the matter. You see, in and of ourselves, we have no resources to live the Christian life. No power to change ourselves. No ability to overcome sin. No chance of living out the will of God in the fullness of God in the way that God would desire. No chance of being able to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ as he calls us to be. But when we surrender to the Spirit, the same power that brought Jesus Christ back from the dead is the same power that becomes available to us to live the kind of life that God wants us to live and more so to make the kind of impact that God wants us to make. That's when our Christianity starts to enter into an altogether supernatural dimension. It's where we start to experience the miracles and the signs and the wonders and others start to feel the effects. Also, never forget that we are in a spiritual war. I taught about this last year in a message called Seeing the Unseen. We're in an intense spiritual war which cannot be fought with human or carnal weapons. Our war is against spiritual principalities and powers. And therefore, we have to use the spiritual tools that God has given us to fight and resist the devil. We can't rely on human strength. But we have to rest on the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the enemy's attacks. Otherwise, we won't experience victory. 
So repentance, and which brings that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is a great start. But it's just the beginning. It's not the end point. Repentance achieves forgiveness of sins. It deals with that obstacle that was stopping us from coming into relationship with God and into the presence of God. But the Christian life is also about having a power by which to live. And this is where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. And God doesn't want to give you just enough strength or anointing or or presence just for yourself so you can experience personal breakthrough. He wants to give you more than that power to make a difference in this world. Even as things get darker and darker out there, power to be an effective witness for him and to go on commission with Jesus. So living the Christian life is not simply about avoiding hell, tolerating the enemy's wickedness, and hanging on until heaven. We don't just mark our time on this earth waiting for Jesus Christ to return or for us to go to heaven. We don't sit idly by just watching the world go to hell. We're called to do God's will on earth. That's why we should care, not just about ourselves, but being empowered to impact others, to demonstrate God's kingdom power. And we do this through the power of the Holy Spirit spirit at work in us so what we need is the baptism of the holy spirit the anointing of the holy spirit the infilling of the holy spirit oh make no mistake about it you know whilst we want to be excellent in all that we do as a church we're not fooled by this because a church can have all of the facilities all of the equipment all of the strategies, but if we don't have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, there won't be spiritual life or true spiritual life and true spiritual power flowing through us in such a way that we are called to make that kind of kingdom impact. It just won't happen. To live out God's purposes as a Christian, to be the kind of church that God has called us to be, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit's purity. We need the Holy Spirit's presence, and we need the Holy Spirit's power. We believe it's time to close the gap between what we read in Scripture and what we experience today. That the book of Acts cannot just be our history, but it must be our blueprint. We believe that one of the most desperate needs in the church today is for men and women to be truly filled with the Holy Spirit. For those of us who have not been baptized in the Spirit, to be baptized in the Spirit and then to keep on being filled in the Holy Spirit. So today as I close, I want to ask this question. The same question that Paul asked of those Ephesian disciples. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Whatever your answer is to that question today, you can ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, either for the first time or again. He can fill you to the point of saturation so that you overflow. The biblical norm is for every believer, every day, Everywhere, experiencing and bringing the presence and the power of God. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside you and empower you beyond your natural capacity and your natural strength so that you can enjoy God's presence, so that you can become more like Jesus and so that you can do the things that God has called you to do. And of course, sometimes even as Christians, we can be so full of ourselves that there's no room to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why in a moment we're going to have an opportunity for prayer. We're going to empty ourselves before the Lord and then we're going to pray, Holy Spirit, fill me up. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.